Welcome, listeners, to Season 3, Episode 18 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we're joined by Erica from Customers Also Watched and Unsung Horrors Podcasts. Hi, Erica. Tell everybody about yourself and your show. Hi. Uh, So I host two podcasts. Uh, The first is Customers Also Watched. That's been around for coming up on two years now. And in that podcast, I get a new guest every episode and follow a trail of movies on Amazon Prime, strictly following the customers also watch list. So (laughs) it has been an unbroken chain of movies that I've followed. And I just covered movie number 50, actually, in that chain. Congrats. And I've had a lot of fun, discovered some fun movies doing that. Sometimes I get mad at the algorithm, but, you know, that's (laughs) the, the way the game is played for that. We like, saw Necromancy. Was that what, what it was called? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to bring that up. Yeah. That was horrible. <laughs> it was bad, but it was good. <laughs> the show was fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get some duds every now and then, but, you know, then it's also like one of those movies that at least there is stuff to talk about with it, you know, even if it's not great. So, yeah, those are always good. Yeah. yeah. But then your um, other show is like totally for our listeners, I feel. Yeah, so uh, my friend Lance and I started a podcast called Unsung Horrors back in October. And I said back in, that was last month. Hello. <laughs> um, and so that is um, a horror movie podcast. Uh, specifically, we are reviewing movies that have fewer than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. Some fun like Christmas ones coming up and, um, you know, Black History Month and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's there's always... There's always a, another rock to look under to find, you know, <laughs> uncover some hidden really? gems and some ones yeah. like we just had our first fight about a movie. So, you know, <laughs> nice. that's always good. <laughs> I'm interested in the like unknown Christmas horror because there's not that much. Well, not that there's not that much. I'm looking into films for us to do for our uh, horror days, which we do in December, mm-hmm. like holiday themed or like winter themed horror films. So if you find any good ones, let me know. Yes. Yeah, there, there's a lot. I'll actually be posting on uh, Instagram and, and Twitter starting in probably like mid, mid-ish December, like 12 days of unsung horrors, unsung Christmas horror movies. Very um, good. <laughs> but there's actually a, a really great book and it's uh, by two Canadian authors, actually, um, hey. called uh, Yuletide Terror. Um, okay. Christmas horror on film and television. It was, well, it wasn't written by them, but because all the reviews are by various um, film reviewers, but the, the editors of it are um, Kayla Janice and Paul, uh, Paul Kurup, who runs the Canuxploitation website. So um, it's that, that was my source for finding the majority of the movies that I'm going to be posting about in, in December for a Christmas horror. And there's a lot I haven't heard of. Awesome. Nice. Ah, I'm excited. But yeah, thanks so much for coming on. We're super excited. Thrilled to have you. And this week we watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space from 1988. And we'll start our horror discussion in just a bit. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be sweet and wacky. I'm ready to take a sip. All right. So I made this drink. Yeah, you did. And it is beautiful. Thank you. It is the, the fanciest, but not fancy drink that we've made. Yeah. I was like, Kelly, you should do it. <laughs> uh, so I call it the Carnival Float. And it's basically a, what's it called? Mini donut on the bottom. 
with kind of cotton candy floating on top. That's the the mental idea. And then there's hard sour candy crushed up on top of it. So it's like a three layered float of things that you would buy at a carnival. It's so good. Is it? I haven't taken a sip. I sort of guesstimated all of the (laughs) ingredients and hoped for the best. Oh, my God. So the it definitely tastes like a mini donut for sure, because when you tip the drink, tip the glass, you start to really get the donut first, even Mm. though that's on the bottom. Yeah, the top is so fluffy that the bottom has to like come through the top. So hopefully you get both, but you have to like eat the top to get to the bottom. Yeah, it really tastes like marshmallow. The top part. Mm, That's what I was going for then. (laughs) No, like marshmallow cotton candy. Totally. I mean, that's true. Marshmallows are just sugar. Yeah. Wow. It's really sticky, too. (laughs) Because all the stuff on top kind of started melting. So now it like closes your teeth up a little bit. So the rest of this portion of the podcast is just going to be like lip smacking and teeth sticking together. Um, Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, this is like one of the sweetest we've ever made drinks, I would say. It's. Yeah, it's so candy. It feels like a dessert, but it still it doesn't feel like too childish. Like you really elevated these concepts. Mm, thanks. I like your um, your cooking show terminology. Thank you. Actually, now that I drink it more, both the top and the bottom are really strong. But I think the fact that like the center part isn't that strong, it sort of balances it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like. It like it acts as a mix without actually mixing in. Yeah, I'm curious what would happen if I stirred it, but I didn't bring anything to stir it with. So I'm gonna your just, fingers do the, yeah, the old bar so style. Sticky. Oh yeah, your fingers would start sticking. Wow, this is really good. Mm-hmm. This would also make a really good shot as well. Yes, and the way that you made it, it kind of was like a batch yeah. amount. So you could do it in shot form as well. I kind of want to make more, but it took so so long to make. Yeah. And then my stepdad started making fun of us for how long it took us to make drinks. Um, But we want to try and be cool. We want to be cool (laughs) for everyone on the the internet. I I need to impress my internet friends. I really admire the effort that we put into the show, though. Like, we don't make money, really. But I'm really proud of the episodes that we do. Mm -hmm. And the drinks that we make, you know? My uh, selfishness is that I want to get better at mixology, and I'm doing this through the podcast. Ah, I see. So I imagine some of my earlier drinks are shite compared to this one. Honestly, when I think of my past drinks, the first drink we ever made, I'm like, yeah, that was my best drink. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I had ever used egg whites. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, still find, I still think fondly on my Rosemary's uh, baby drink for some oh, yeah i just remember that being the first one where i'm like this makes me seem very professional to make this one <laughs> so this week we watched killer clowns from outer space which premiered on may 27th 1988 it's directed by stephen keto and written by charles and stephen keto it stars grant kramer as leading man mike tobacco what a last name that's his last name yep Fuck me. (laughs) Suzanne Snyder as leading lady, Debbie Stone, and John Allen Nelson as Debbie's ex-boyfriend slash cop, Dave Hansen. 
This synopsis was written by John Vogel on IMDb. Thank you, John. When a small town is invaded by aliens from outer space who are capturing and killing the townspeople, no one takes them seriously. Why? The aliens all look like circus clowns, use weapons that look clown-like, like a popcorn shooting machine, and all have painted on smiles. So to wrap up here... The teens see a meteor that hits Earth. They go to check it out, but it's not a meteor. It's a circus tent. Oh, wait, it's clowns that are trying to kill us. And they wrap people up in cotton candy cocoons that turn people into jelly. And they the clowns drink out of a straw. <laughs> that would have that's kind of the cotton candy in this drink. That's true. <laughs> We're just not using a straw. So only a few of the young people in the town realize the danger, basically Mike and Debbie. And of course, no one believes them, especially the cops. Armed with an ice cream truck, they try and rescue their friends, fighting off zany and wacky clowns who use all the typical circus tricks to stop them. Dave, the young cop and Debbie's ex-boyfriend, decides to help them out and investigate. Eventually, 911 calls are nonstop as the whole town is overrun with clowns. Mike realizes that their weakness is their nose. If it's shattered, the clown dies. And after a massive battle and a clownzilla appearing, it feels like all hope is lost. But if you've the horny teens save the day. I know I have to ask you to play the trailer, but I <laughs> almost don't want you to because I don't want to see what this trailer is. Oh, boy. But go ahead and play that trailer for me. It was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Why? Clowns. Killer clowns from outer space. At least it had the killer clown from outer space. <laughs> that had most of the movie. That was all the little bits of the um, clowns terrorizing people that you really needed. Totally. Um, it did make me want to go see it. Um, Do you feel differently? Well, it definitely seems like one of those movies that you and your honey would go to the drive-in movie theater for and then just make out the entire time. <laughs> uh, so, yes? Yeah, let's go to the drive-in. Yeah, exactly. And just start necking. I mean, socially distanced theaters now with drive-in movies that would be fun. Mm. You got to get your license. Go watch Killer Clown. Wow, 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 wounds. From outer space. So the like top part of this float, if you drink around it, kind of creates like this ball on the top that I keep trying to like every time I sip, I try to eat it. Yeah, I'm trying to do that, too. But it I'm just failing. makes me consume more of the bottom part. <laughs> so I'm drinking this drink really fast because I want to eat that top part. But at the end of the drink, you're just going to have this huge puff ball with sour candy on top which will still be delicious yeah it's like a post drink treat <laughs> so i mean obviously it's drinking and screaming i wouldn't be char without starting with the treatment of women in this film oh my god uh, i found it very annoying um starting off with like the ice cream truck women Oh, yeah. That these guys were like basically going to assault, sort of. I don't know. They were like um, tricking them into making out with them at the top of the world because they gave them ice cream. You know, 
That's how you get all the ladies. Yeah, equals you owe me sex. (laughs) And then the girls were like, no, which I'm glad that they had agency. Like a lot of almost all the women had agency in this film. But then the male characters just take the agency away. You know what I mean? Like when, uh, for example, Debbie and Dave, the skinny cop, start uh, bickering back and forth about how she wants to like follow him to help solve this mystery of the cotton candy pods. And he's like, you have a choice to make. Go home or I'll lock you in jail for safekeeping. What? Yeah, that's what I (laughs) that's what I do with all the women that have told me important information about crimes that are happening. I don't know. I thought it was dumb. And like then it was revealed that they were ex-lovers. And I was like, are you kidding me? It just got worse and worse. (laughs) It wasn't just some girl he didn't know. Yeah, you recommended us a very good, good movie to talk about uh, the representation of women, Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's like classic way that like women were treated in back in the day and stuff like that. So it is really like it's a good movie to discuss about that sort of thing. Totally. I didn't recommend the movie. I thought oh, you did recommend it. I thought it. you did recommend this no, to us. You you messaged me and asked me if I wanted to do this episode. I didn't recommend this. Oh. <laughs> I thought that it came up when we were had our necromancy episode. That's so uh, funny. Oh my god. Have you seen I, this movie before? Yeah, you know, yeah, I've seen it before, but I'm I'm not a this is horror comedy is not my uh it's not Wheelhouse? my house. <laughs> mm. It might have come up in conversation and okay. I might have said this isn't one I would go out of my way to recommend. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's awesome. Well, I hope you shit on it. <laughs> we get your uh, unbiased opinion then about the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I'm like horror comedy. I'm like, oh, God. I like my horror in the 70s and sleazy and grotesque and gory. And this is just over the top goofy to the point where I just roll my eyes at it and I'm just like okay <laughs> that's good I'm, I'm very glad <laughs> oh that makes me so happy that um, I fucked up so hard wow <laughs> no I was just like why did I pick this how did I pick this movie <laughs> My the last thing going off of like this over the top wackiness, I tried to find more concrete information and I couldn't about who the actors were that were in the clown suits because the physicality that they had, I I didn't love this movie like at all spoilers, but um, I did find I appreciated the movements and like the miming that the clowns were doing, like the moment where out front of the drugstore, we have this like animatronic sign. And then like one of the clowns walks up and like mimics it to like blend in before Mm. two girls go into the drugstore and then he follows them. I thought that was really cool. There was um, a lot of physicality when one of the clowns was on that his like little tricycle. Oh, yeah. And he, so when he like, was doing the Billy from uh, Saw. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets like the boxing gloves. Um, I thought that moment was funny. And just like their movement was so articulate. So I thought that maybe they actually hired professional physical theater clown performers. And if they did, that's really cool. But I couldn't I couldn't find in my research if they did or not. I don't think that they did. So like I okay, so I haven't seen this since I was in high school, junior high, maybe. So when I rewatched it, I just rewatched I I looked at the DVD that I had and I don't know why I owned it, but um, (laughs) I do. Because you recommended it. 
Yeah, you remember? You recommended that. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> but um, it, it had the audio, it had the commentary with all the Kyoto brothers. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch it that way because that'll at least make it tolerable if I have to rewatch this movie. So <laughs> I rewatched it and they didn't really say anything about the the actors in the clown costumes, except for the big, like the marionette one at the yeah, end. The, the like marionette Godzilla one at the one. end. That was one of the one of the brothers. One of the brothers. That's, yeah, that's totally. It. But I don't know who any of them. Um, they, I, I don't think they brought that up in in their commentary. Okay. It did kind of like while they were moving around. It looked like the suits were extremely cumbersome and hard to do anything. Yes. But it was like their interaction with the environment seemed like they knew what they were doing. Like and that's they- what I meant. Like also there were specific moments that really show mm. shined, shone, Sh- shoned. Sh- they shine. <laughs> I'm going to say shined with the physicality, but you're totally right though. Like seeing the clowns move like from point A to point B was so cringe. And, oh God. But it, like what I'm saying is that, like, it looked like they possibly were like experienced with this, but the suits were causing them to have issues. Yeah. Like, cause they had like three fingers. So that when they, <laughs> he was trying to do the, or they had four, they had less fingers than a normal human. Yeah. And, and when they were really trying big. to do the shadow puppets, like it looked like maybe they had some sort of stage experience, but the suit made it really hard for them to do anything, uh, which made it, I, I had thought in my mind that the clowns would be scarier just because of like the age and kind of like that scary is in there like, oh, it's kind of gritty and, and weird, mm-hmm. uh, like the gremlins when they turn into gremlins. But it was just like, man, I feel bad for the actors in this suit because they're trying, but <laughs> these suits do not want to let them do anything. But those are those are my points. Erica, do you want to jump in? I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the best part of this movie for me is the the opening title song by the Dickies. Cause I love the Dickies. And so I was like, well, there's that. I think the problem with it too. And, and what, you know, the, all the Kyoto brothers said was they're, they're very much trying to make everything a gag, even from like what Kelly was talking about with like the fingers. And it's like, well, they've got these three fat fingers. How are they making these shadow <laughs> puppets? Like that's supposed to be the joke. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not funny. Yeah, mm. that definitely didn't <laughs> land. <laughs> and like what, what kill what's the hardest part for me is that the movies that they were inspired by to make this movie are so good and they have good taste in movies. They just don't have the ability to make a good movie. So (laughs) like, I mean, they, uh, you know, this movie is modeled after the blob, you know, it even, it, it, you know, you've, it's got the exact same opening. It's got like a make out point and a meteor hits earth. And then you've got this alien creature taking over a small town. Um, It's got some shots that are reminiscent of Forbidden Planet from 1956. But at the same time, it's got like all these Looney Tune, Three Stooges, Abbott and Costello, (laughs) you know, hearty har har gags. And it just, uh, you know, I just I'm not a fan of slapstick comedy. I, I appreciate what they were trying to do and that they, you know, they have a very clear love of 50s sci fi movies. Um, totally, yeah. That but, came through. And it, 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 it comes through, but like what they made out of it, I was just, I'm like, I, I'm not into it. Like it, it would, <laughs> something like this would be 
fun in like a short, but a full 90 minutes of this, just like gag after gag after gag. It's just, it's, it's not really, it doesn't really work for me. And then I guess the other part is, you know, their whole thing was, you know, we want to make, you know, clowns scary. And I'm like, yeah, you're a bit late to that game because John Wayne Gacy has already been arrested and he's already <laughs> made clowns scary for everyone. So like, and that's I, I just the thing with that, like if they leaned into the horror further, I'm OK with the clown concept. Fine. Sure, it's been done before and it's been done better. But that's the thing. If they made it more scary, like more shocking, but they sort of were dilly dallying on this midline of trying to be funny, but then still trying to be scary, but not really. Yeah, because like real clowns are scary because it's like an uncanny valley human standing way too close to you and like getting in your face, even though you want them to leave, please. (laughs) But like the comedy that came from the clowns in this movie were like a weird mix of like, hey, they look like clowns, but they're going to kill you. But also they're aliens and don't understand like human society too well. Like they're bumbling around the grocery store and stuff like that. And it's like, are they scary because they're clowns or because they're stupid aliens? And neither of them. Okay, got it. (laughs) And they were trying to make it because they're scary because they're clowns. And it's like, well, no, (laughs) even like, even Pennywise in the original miniseries wasn't super scary. Like he was scarier than these clowns with a with a K, but like it wasn't Pennywise wasn't really scary until the more recent ones. And that's just because he was like fucking terrifying and <laughs> barely a clown. Yeah. So, th- I mean, that's my main thing is just I appreciate their love of the genre. I think that they should stay in their lane and stick to <laughs> puppeteering and not try to make a full movie. Um, have, have they done like have they been the showrunners for any like well-known movies that we would know about? Are I'm, you like, asking me? I have no idea. Either of you, because I'm seeing that they did work on Team America World Police, which 100 percent makes sense. <laughs> they they did. They've done a lot of like the puppeteer work. So like they're most people know them for aside from this movie, like doing the the Critters um, okay. franchise. So like that stuff. And then some other like they it, like a lot of stop motion work and, and puppeteer work, but really, and Oh God, one other thing they mentioned in the commentary was they're like, well, we have ideas for killer clown sequel, but we don't know if we'll ever get around to it. And I'm like, please fucking no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As early or as late as 2016, I've heard more of from the brothers being like, we're still working on it. Like it was maybe going to be a long arc TV show. I heard. I mean, I'm looking at IMDb, right now under the producer credit for uh Stefan uh Chiato and it still says there's a sequel in his produce like announced for his producer credit. <laughs> it's I, like it's been 30 years. That's as- listen, that's aspirational. <laughs> yeah. They're not letting go of that dream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's you gotta respect it. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. 
It's time to vote in our Patreon poll. Go to patreon.com slash drink and scream to join in on the madness and vote for which film you want us to watch for our Happy Horror Days December special. All patrons will also receive a Horror Day card from us. I saw the first draft of the art. And it looked good. It looks so cute. No. There's a buddy and there's us and it's horror and it's cute. It's horror days. Whoa. <laughs> when we reach $150 per month of Patreon support, we're going to be starting doing live monthly watch alongs for horror films where we get to watch the films with you guys. We all get to sit and chat and we're super excited for it. We're about halfway to our goal. If you want to up your pledge, if you want to convince somebody else to donate, we would love to be able to do these watch alongs. So head to our Patreon to show your support. All the information you could ever need about us, including merch, is on our website, www.drinkingandscreaming.com. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by Evil Amy's Terror Shop, who provided us with some amazing goodies to talk about on our episodes. Today, I have themed items that go with the movie because we got a set of three Funko Pop figures from them from this film. You too can have your own killer clowns. Make friends with Spikey, Shorty, and Jumbo. You can buy their products. They ship globally at evilamysterrorshop.com. We have our new horror candles, The Final Girl and The Jersey Devil. I've been using The Jersey Devil in the fifth wheel so that it doesn't smell like propane now that our propane tank is leaking. That's so dangerous. That's just some that's just some lore as to what's going on here in my office is the propane's leaking into it. But it's fine. If I light a candle, it smells like the Jersey Devil and doesn't light me on fire. <laughs> I empower myself with the final girl scent. So if you die, don't worry, I'll survive. Yeah, and you'll kill the propane that murdered me. <laughs> Go to horrorcandles.com and use the code DRINKSCREAM10 for 10% off your first purchase of three or more candles. Listen to both customers also watched and unsung horrors on any podcatcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, customers also watched is CAW podcast on Twitter or just customers also watched on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And then unsung horrors is um, just at unsung horrors on Instagram, which is where we're most active, uh, Twitter and Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream on Facebook at drink and scream. And you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com. If you do, we might just put it on the show. Let's go back to killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> My, so I, oh, I have the same ramp going me. into this as you, Erica, because <laughs> I, I anticipated like more schlocky, like overacting, pointing off in the distance and then a big glooming clown. Like for some reason, I expected it to be more like just more, more full stop. You had higher expectations, not even like higher expectations. I think lower expectations into one of those movies where it's like so stupid that's it's fun oh, okay yeah but that's kind of what i thought it would be too like so much of this movie felt just like a montage of the clowns doing things that clowns do and then the the punchline being that their weapon kills people so much so that i imagine that part of the process of making this film is that they set up a door and then they told the actor inside to answer the door and they told the actor outside to do something a clown would do. And they probably just filmed like 50 of those. And they were like, uh, you know, this one's good. That one's good. Well, we got a whole improv session of clowns doing clown things. And it just was like, 
after about the fifth one that they shown, I was like, by God, please just figure out what their weakness is, kill them and send them back to space or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And even when they found out about the weakness of the nose, they don't even like communicate with each other. No. Like you can kill them by shattering their nose or yeah. whatever. Like, like tell the town that if they see one, like poke them in the nose with a, a pin and you'll be good to go. Yeah, that was like it missed a lot of the beats of a space invasion movie because of that. Like. It should be the initial confusion of what's going on, then the like inevitable takeover and then finding their weakness and then being Tom Cruise and living with your family again. I was just <laughs> listing the things that World War of the Worlds does. <laughs> I think what they did instead was they went to, let's see, they wouldn't have had a whiteboard back then. They went to a bulletin board and like made a list of like every single clown trope that you can think of. So like a squirting flower pie in the face, um, jumping onto a mini trampoline, uh, 10 clowns piling out of a tiny <laughs> car, like every single clown thing you can think of. They were like, we got to get it in no matter yeah. what. And they do. And it, it gets predictable and, and, and tedious. And, and I know that, and I know that there are people out there who, who absolutely love this movie. And and I get it because it's just it's a certain type of horror movie for, you know, people who are fans of this this subgenre and this level of like extreme goofiness. But it's just not not my <laughs> bag. It never has been. It, it never will be there. I can count on one hand the number of horror comedies that I adore. <laughs> and this will never ever <laughs> is, is Little Shop of Horrors one of them? I like that movie a lot, but it's, I like that one, too. I don't. I don't love it, but I do. I do like it a lot. It's good. Yeah, I feel like this is like we say this a lot about movies, mostly movies that we end up not really liking that much. But this feels like if you had a playlist of movies during like a Halloween party that you just had playing in the background. Yeah. While people were doing other things like as a drunk person, if I looked at the screen once in a while and I was like, <laughs> the clowns are holding up a trampoline and wearing little fireman's hat. I That'd be entertaining. But then I'd. Go to back to chatting sit, with people. Yeah, to sit and watch it for oh, yeah. the whole... Pointing anybody intentionally at the screen <laughs> for the entirety of the movie seems like a, a bad idea for a party. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> my literally, I, this isn't one of my points, but literally my one good point, like my kudos to this movie is, boy, did they have a lot of clown outfits. Like their yeah. quantity of outfits. they didn't even try hard. <laughs> no. They were just like boring suits. Just with walked like over to people. Patterns. Listen, I didn't say they were quality. <laughs> I said they sure did have a lot of clown outfits. <laughs> <laughs> and again, going, you mentioned this a little bit, but my, the music was actually pretty decent. Like every time that the clown crew like rolls up and it plays that like... Oh boy. Wow, that uh, song. Of course. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, every time it plays that song, I was like, man, this song's really cool and adds a lot of a lot to this movie, but then it's just clowns doing clowny things again. It's just a <laughs> Dang real it. cool whoever made the music from this did a better job than the people who made the horror for it. I have a lot mm -hmm. of facts about the music. Oh geez. I, I do so uh, you know, just on the topic that. of like being nice to the movie, I will say that I, I have to appreciate it when you're working with a small budget um, for the sets and costumes and other stuff like that. So actually listening to the commentary and them saying 
oh yeah, these, um, you know, these buttons are, you know, red rubber balls cut in half and glued onto that plywood. And these, those ropes for the the tent (laughs) ship are, you know, uh, tubing, we got a big lots kind of thing, you know? And so I, I appreciate the, the effort in them, like, you know, trying and there's something endearing about it, but, uh, I still can't like the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you did say that they should stick to puppeteering and I feel like puppeteering, like making a Mm -hmm. puppet requires a lot of resourcefulness. And they did have a really cool, the two popcorn, creatures that don't look like popcorn at all after they grow oh the little baby clowns those were so cool yeah that was a good moment when in the bathroom when she gets attacked by these like weird things also i will say it is a as a director it's a real brave choice that if you're gonna have like old guy out in the woods that he just he just goes hard (laughs) with like the dang nabbits oh those those rooting tooting shooting aliens are coming down and trying to take my land I'm going to make a mint for digging up the alien and I'm going to sell it to everyone. <laughs> Where's my dang dog? Oh, yeah. Then he starts getting sad about his dog. And I was like, oh, man, this joke went in a weird direction. Aww. I'm so sad for this old prospector now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, I feel like we've talked. We've talked a good bit. So it's time to open the wreck. Good I'm going to hold I'll hold wow. more sound. We need more room for sound effects. Spooky sound effects inserted. Uh, so this is the section where we recommend a movie that is similar to the one we've just witnessed and give a little bit a little short description as to why people should watch it. So I was going to go with a recommendation, but it was so hard to tell people to watch it without potentially being triggered that I'm not going to recommend it. What did you pick instead? Uh, Instead, I picked Evolution from 2001, uh, which is also about a meteor hitting the Earth and then little creatures grow out of it and they evolve and stuff. And it's it's not horror. It's a comedy space movie. Um, (laughs) I really remember liking it because it was funny, but it was also from 2001. And I think it's I think our cats in it. I don't remember, but I imagine it's got some issues because it's 2001 comedy. Yeah. So go in with an extreme grain of salt, I would say. <laughs> and that's uh, Evolution 2001. Erica, what's your recommendation? Um, so my recommendation is a little bit uh, obscure little 80s regional horror movie. Um, before that, I would just you know want to say if you have not seen The Blob, both original and and the remake, <laughs> this is one of the very few remakes that I will stand by. You should see those. They're both excellent. My boyfriend Steve McQueen is in the original. The Blob remake is great. <laughs> um obviously this movie was bo- was based off of The Blob, so if you haven't seen those then please see those. But my actual recommendation is uh The Deadly Spawn 1983. It is very very low budget. It is a regional New Jersey <laughs> horror movie and it's about a uh, horror movie fan kid who's just awesome. He's got like that typical room of a horror movie kid and he has to defeat a giant alien worm that invades his house after um, a meteor crash lands near their house. And it's it's very 80s. So, you know, just understand that going into it. But it's it's <laughs> low budget. But like it, the monster is actually really fucking great in it. And I have a T-shirt <laughs> of it. I mean, I love this movie. So not this T-shirt, nice. but like a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was the Deadly Spawn from 1983. Yes. Nice. 
My recommendation, we sort of touched on it already, but it's Critters from 1986 because um, the folks that did the puppeteering in Critters worked on this film. And I haven't actually seen it yet, so I'm recommending something <laughs> I haven't seen. We love doing that. But it's been on my list for so long. I really want to watch it. It's little monster aliens come from outer space to kill the nearby farm townsfolk. It's just a good romp in the farm. Nice. I, I like that we all recommended Alien movies. It's yeah. Good. Critters from 1986. Oh, I mean, I'll stand by that. I mean, if you haven't seen, I, I mean, I would, I'm, those aren't <laughs> normally my bag, but like Critters is fun. I like Critters 2. Critters 2 is an Easter movie. So Critters 3 has Leo DiCaprio and Critters 4 is in space. So no one should watch that ever. <laughs> um, Why do horror films always want to go to space? That's where you got to go. You've, you've. <laughs> You, you have, just to. have to. <laughs> you simply must. I'm excited for Halloween X. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, it's time for... Scaredy Facts. For those of you just joining us for the first time, or for those of you who just like the story like I do, this is the part of our show where we invite you into our relationship to snuggle under a blanket on the couch or on our bed, wink. Uh, <laughs> after we've watched a scary movie, we get some IMDb trivia, some uh, interesting tidbits. I mean, Erica's probably going to have a lot to fill in here because she watched the director's commentary, it's which I did not. <laughs> So you probably know everything I'm about to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So starting with the budget, it was estimated at two million. Wow. And uh, I don't know what they made on their opening weekend, but worldwide gross to date is forty three point six million. Wow. That's a cult. I think that's officially a cult classic at that point. Yeah. So although it wasn't a hit when it was in theaters, the film has since become a cult classic and made revenue in action figures, DVDs, T-shirts like merch. Pop figures that we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I don't want to like backtrack on what Erica said about their small budget, because although it was two million, most of it went primarily to production costs. So all the clowns and visual effects were created almost entirely by the filmmakers themselves at like super low cost. Okay, that makes sense. I was yeah. like, you said two million, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know, renting <laughs> renting cameras. I'm like, they didn't even crash any cars. Like, if you if like if anyone hasn't seen this movie and watches it, because I'm not rewatching it, uh, they don't crash any cars on purpose because they're like, no, we rented that car, we couldn't crash it, and like. Yeah. Wait, there was that one car that drives off the bridge, though. Well, That's let me tell you. That was in budget. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where a clown rams a car off the road and kills the driver was originally intended to be an opening prologue to the film. And the driver was to be the character Joe Lombardo, who we see later oh. on. So for this prologue, there was also a scene shot where Joe and his date were like kissing on a deserted dark road. And after his date rejects him, he angrily drives off alone, only to uh, meet his demise with the clown. Good. (laughs) But then it was decided to have opening credits be seen first. So the kissing rejection scene ended up on the cutting room floor and the car crash scene was placed at a later point in the film with the driver not even being that character. He was the, I forget his name, but he was the friend of Mike and Debbie that Discover wrapped up in the cotton candy cocoon in the final version. Oh yeah, because he was, he's, the one person he kept saying was dead was Joe Lombardo. Yeah. Joe Lombardo's dead. You gotta listen to me. Joe Lombardo's dead. Why won't you listen? It's Joe. You know, Joe Lombardo. Oh, boy. 
And then talking about this car uh, budgeting thing. So with this car crash, it was supposed to be like super spectacular and they fucked it up. (laughs) The car was going to fly off the cliff and crash down on the ground. But the sling rope snapped because effects crew members forgot to remove the stoppers underneath the car wheels. So then what happened was we got this like slow fall that like landed on the floor, which is what we saw in the film. And then like it just falls onto a tree. And then they cut to another shot that like has added flames on it. (laughs) See, it's weird. I was going to mention while we were watching that I kind of liked that it wasn't like a spectacular crash because it made it seem more real. Like my mom was in a car crash and I was like, that kind of looks like what probably happened to her car. Like it didn't careen off the side and fly 50 feet in the air for a while. It just kind of like fell down a cliff and then hit a tree. So it added to the realism. Yeah, I was like, good job. So I'm glad that to learn that it was a fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like the only car fact I have, everybody. So don't get your hopes up for the end of this. I'm sorry. I mean, you don't know what kind of car... The clown car was? I have no idea. But I can tell you about the music. (laughs) Do you want to hear about the music? Of course. Okay, thank God. (laughs) So most of the music in this film was actually repurposed from other rejected projects. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. John Masari is the composer, or not, yeah, the composer of the film. So the entrance of Clownzilla was originally composed a year earlier for the Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. What? Trailer. Yeah. It was supposed to be for that and then they didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so the tra- the music for the trailer was rejected uh, to favor. They went for more like of a cliche music approach, but that worked out for Killer Clouds from Outer Space because they got to use it instead. And then the other music fact I have is that the Killer Clowns March that we hear was originally written by the same man, John Masari, for his high school rock band Crisis. Oh, the band members didn't like it because the notes of the song spelled out an F major seventh chord, which is too jazzy. That's like a very complex chord. Oh, and yeah, they didn't like it. So he got to use it for this film. I like that. That so many of the components of this film just seem to be things that people didn't like. So they put it into this (laughs) film instead. What was Erica? What was the name of the band that does the actual title song? The Dickies. Yeah. Yeah. Because that song was good. It was plays again at the end. <laughs> from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> just that like yeah. opening like weird guitar riff. I've just been I was like, oh, thickies. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, they took like the classic like dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 and turned it into like a guitar riff, which is cool. exactly. Yeah. This one was already said by Erica, the giant king clown at the end, uh, who people call Clownzilla, was played by Charles Chiodo. So it had a strong like like early Japanese monster film feel to it. Like the lumbering movement of it felt very much like something that Godzilla would fight, which totally again cool that's a cool that's a cool thing that you did (laughs) yeah i mean that i think that too was like their intention with it you know that's exactly what it was they're like we wanted this godzilla like clown and which one was it steven that was in the costumes charles Charles. Uh, so charles kyoto was uh mentioned that he couldn't see anything at the top of the cake (laughs) and so he was just kind of like feeling his way down it like with the big clown feet and um, they did a lot of work with like 
miniatures and matte paintings and like superimposition and stuff like that. So a lot of like tricks to, you know, that they had to do with the limited budget that they that they had because they spent everything on production. So I'm assuming there was what, 20,000 for this movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just used this clown suit that I already had. <laughs> I have one last fact, but I'm curious if anything has came up in the director's commentary that I didn't touch on, Erica, that you could fill us in on. No, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that I kind of mentioned in my thoughts about like what their influences are and uh, a lot of the commentary was honestly them laughing at their own jokes and oh, no. and, and then I know, but they they think what they made is fun and fine that's their sense of humor but there was also a few points where they were you know genuinely trying saying that well we were trying to go for like a you know a serious tone but the dialogue is just so over the top like Mm. that it that it makes it funny and i'm like yeah no it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) the only time Um, that i like people like doing that is when is watching like arnie do his commentary where he's literally just watching the movie and he's like, oh, this is the pot when my eyes pop out. Like, oh, oh, and he seems so excited to have done that. <laughs> um, OK, uh, yeah, oh, go nothing, ahead. nothing else as far as, you know, production stuff or anything else. like. It that. sounds like you're describing yeah. just three brothers had fun making a movie and think yeah. they did a real fun job. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're proud of what they made. So. Kind of sweet in its own right. It's way more (laughs) successful than anything I've ever done. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I I have never made $43 million with anything that I've made. (laughs) Okay, I'm proud of sourcing this fact. So the popcorn gun used by the clowns in the film, which included a compressor that would actually allow the weapon to propel popcorn (laughs) across the room, was the most expensive prop made for the production. And it cost $7,000 to make and six weeks of labor to build. Wow. (laughs) But it really shocked that in the commentary. I already forgot that. I watched it this afternoon and I already <laughs> forgot that. They mentioned that in the commentary. Uh, okay. As soon as he started saying that, I was like, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's functional because I like to think that after they filmed that scene, they would just run around with it and just shoot people with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they it did was... have to like hand stick every piece of popcorn on on their Oh, like the, on the suits? On the suits or the clothes so of those odd. people. Yeah, you could see like stuck in their hair and like it was so perfectly positioned on the sweater, not moving. I was like, this is odd. I mean, I did. I was like, popcorn's not sticky. That doesn't make sense. But then you realize that they're little, they're actually little um, gremlin creatures, basically, or larva. I would say. That's a good word. They're yeah. little larva that are grabbing onto their clothes. But that's all my scaredy facts. I'm all done. So uh, you got a final thought for us, Erica? I'm sorry that you guys thought I recommended this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And if I did somehow accidentally recommend it when last when you guys were on my show, I am sorry. I got some wires crossed there. (laughs) I mean, now now I'm like, did someone else recommend it to us? And they're going to listen to this episode just angrily shaking their fist at us. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, it's it's for some people. I get it. It's just it's not for me. And uh, it's I just don't like the the horror comedy subgenre. I, I, I can 
kudos to them for making the movie that they wanted to make and for doing a lot with a, just a little bit of money. But uh, sorry, Kyoto Brothers, I'm never going <laughs> to like your movie. <laughs> That's definitely like the the fallback like like in Friends, when everyone wants watches Joey and they're like, oh, I got to say, like the lighting was good or, oh, my God, you were sitting here, but you were also in there just saying, oh, like, yeah. well, I'm glad they had fun making a movie together. It's like <laughs> such a fallback, which is it's I mean, it is true. Like, I want to make a horror movie and I know it's going to be awful. So <laughs> I think I've had this final thought from other things. It's like this is one of those movies where like. Other than the fact that I can't make those clown outfits, this looks like one of those movies we that could make we could those make. clown outfits. Oh yeah, they well, were so bad we could do that. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of latex that I don't know how to work with. That's true. the The faces themselves, yeah. the heads. Never mind. But I it's one of those it movies that you watch that is almost inspiring because you watch that movie and you're like, I can do all of the things that are being done in this movie. So technically, I should be able to make a movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just like the Kyoto Brothers thought. (laughs) My final thought is basically what we've already been talking about, how this movie is zany and fun, but it's also just bad. I'm really sorry. I feel bad if there are listeners that love this movie. I'm glad that you love it. But if I'm going to watch a movie like this, it needs to like cross the, the line of being awful and be so bad that it's good. Yeah. But it wasn't that for me. I just didn't like how they were dancing on that line. I wanted more kookiness with a K from the clowns with a K. We needed more the room. (laughs) We needed more quotable lines from this movie that we will remember forever. They shot him six times. They're tearing me apart. Yeah, the only one is like they actually... that people quote is the name of the movie followed by holy shit. And that's it. <laughs> oh man, we didn't even talk about Mooney. I, we would get into a very depressing all cops are bad discussion about that. So yeah. it's fine. Cops suck. Cops are the worst. You could talk about that in your little last segment right here. The last segment? Yep. Go, well, that's ready. been Killer Clowns from Edder Space, a movie about how all cap- cops are bastards. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Next week, we'll be watching Dog Soldiers from 2002 with our friend Steve from Vancouver by Night. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Bye! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and local designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.